Welcome to episode number 14 of Off the Shelf. Well, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. They tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm cloud dries. Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day. Hello everyone, my name is Rod Bergen and we're delighted to have you with us today on Off the Shelf, a podcast that looks at what it means to be a true follower of Jesus in the context of scripture and the message of William Branham. We've now reached into 85 countries with our podcast and I want to welcome everyone who is listening wherever you may be in the world, from Kenya to the Turks and Caicos, and yes, We have listeners in both those countries. Today, we are continuing our interview with Jeff Jenkins. As we said last week, Jeff was the pastor of a message church in Lima, Ohio, for almost 35 years. Jeff, it is great to have you back on Off the Shelf. Yes. Last week, we were talking about the cause of the cloud, Mm -hmm. and we didn't quite finish with our discussion. And I just want to kind of reiterate to everyone what the facts say that they need to kind of deal with. Mm -hmm. And that is the facts do support a non-supernatural or a natural explanation. Mm -hmm. And that's based on this. The explosion of the rocket was on the same day as the cloud appeared. The explosion of the rocket was at the same height as the height of the cloud that appeared in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. The height of the explosion was exact, while the height of the cloud was estimated based on scientific ways that they estimated trigonometry and and the like. Mm -hmm. Nobody recorded the wind speed on the day of the third explosion at Vandenberg. Mm -hmm. But the wind speed recorded by scientists at other times, according to a a doctor, McDonald, who wrote an article on the cloud, he said the wind speed was tantalizingly close to the required wind speed. Mm. And we know that wind speeds can vary with distance, and therefore the rocket explanation is the most plausible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say that the fact that Dr. McDonald didn't issue a final report meant that he didn't come to a conclusion. What do you you say to that, Jeff? Well, I I guess I would throw it back into your court and say, why did Dr. McDonald, what was his motivation? Why did Dr. McDonald have so much... um, interest in the cloud. I mean, I'd like to know his history, what uh, sort of tickled his fancy, because um, obviously it wasn't conclusive for him. Um, I I think that he wasn't sure or he had another motive and he didn't want a conclusion to be what it was. And, you know, I I, I don't know about that yet. Yeah. And and I've actually researched this a bit. Okay. Dr. McDonald, uh, most people don't know, was well known and took a lot of flack professionally Mm -hmm. and academically because he was a supporter uh, of examining UFOs. So was he trying to uh, somehow um, connect the cloud with UFOs? He liked really, he liked things that had no explanation. Oh. Okay. So he started tracking this down. I actually think the reason Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the time he said there were no rocket, no rockets, um, exploded at the same time yeah. or the same day, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the internet back then. I think he found out that the rocket, in fact, happened, 
and he was no longer interested in it. This is a guy who chased stuff down exhaustively hmm. and, and didn't care the amount of flack he got from people from chasing things down. And that's, as I said, he took a lot of flack mm -hmm. over the UFO issue. In fact, he actually committed suicide. And they said, well, it had to do with the cloud. Not a chance. Right. If it had to do with anything, it was the fact that he suffered from depression. He had divorced his wife. Yeah. He was getting a lot of flack on his statements on UFOs. So he wasn't afraid to speak out. Took a lot of flack. That caused a bunch of depression. How interesting. His wife left him. He just was in depression and he took mm. his life. It's very mm. sad. Mm. I mean, it sounds to me too that the another thing, it sounds to me like there, there was an emotional investment on some of these issues for him and not necessarily, you know, coming to or following the facts to the very end. It sounds, you know, uh, you know, that's another thing I noticed that it didn't seem like he was following the facts to the very end. Furthermore, how could he follow the fact with regard to a Thor rocket when that was in California and he was in Tucson? I mean, there's, you know, he wouldn't be able to connect those dots, like you said, without a lot of a lot more technology in his day. I think he did connect the dots. And when he found out, oh, there was a rocket at the same height, explanation yeah. given. And I said, he did actually make a comment. He, he did find out about the rocket. As I said, in a later report, he mentions it. Okay. And he said that the speed of the wind was tantalizingly close to the required speed. Now, this, re this is really interesting. The rocket was off course. Mm -hmm. The Thor rocket you know how fast it went? No. We, we had somebody made made uh, some research on this. 10,000 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. Right? That's the speed yeah. it hit. Whoa. So this is like, it's going way beyond the speed of sound. So it was off course. Yeah. So how far off course was it when they exploded it? We don't know. No, we don't. And was it closer, which, which it likely was, mm -hmm. if it had gone off direction towards Las Vegas, then, right. I mean, it's just, it could be a couple hundred miles closer to Flagstaff. Yeah, so then the wind speed would factor in there, wouldn't it? It Actually, it's, it would then be quite fast enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, another thing that, and I've, I've heard people raise this a lot, why did nobody see the cloud before sunset? Mm -hmm. And this is another thing, and, and everybody says, William Branham says this, Dr. McDonald reported the cloud appeared in the mesosphere and that clouds cannot form at this height. Mm. Now, there's two things that go against that. Right. Um, number one, if it's the rocket, then it wasn't a naturally formed cloud. Exactly. It's really interesting that NASA has been testing wind currents at high altitudes by creating extremely high clouds with chemicals. They shoot up a rocket, it release these chemicals, and, and these pictures appear on our website. Um, I'll put the link up. Okay. Some of these appear in shapes that are remarkably similar mm -hmm. to the February 28, 1963 that was published in Life magazine. Mm -hmm. The other thing that Dr. McDonald wasn't aware of is that there's a natural phenomenon called a noctilucent cloud. Oh, yeah, about sunset at, at nighttime because it's above. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People say, why didn't anybody see this cloud moving across well, the thing with noctilucent clouds, which is a Latin name for night cloud, mm -hmm. they're a tenuous cloud-like phenomena that happen actually in the upper atmosphere. Right. And they're only visible in deep twilight. They're only visible at sun sunset. Mm -hmm. They're made of ice crystals. Mm -hmm. When water's that high, it forms in ice. Surprise, surprise. Right. Yep. And these clouds are actually naturally occurring 
They're commonly observed in the summer months at latitudes between 50 degrees and 70 degrees north mm-hmm. of the equator or 50 and 70 degrees south of the equator. Mm-hmm. And they can only be observed when the sun is below the horizon for the observer. So mm-hmm. if I'm standing in Flagstaff, looking up at the cloud, I would only be able to see this cloud, a noctilucent cloud, if it was the sun had set. But the clouds, because they're so high, mm-hmm. are still in the light. Makes total sense because the, as the sun goes down, it's it's casting its uh, rays onto something that's higher than itself, and that makes it visible to the onlooker. Well, in, in fact, as you know, as sunset happens, the sky starts to get darker. Yes, it does. But now the light hitting these clouds is illuminated, and the, 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 these ice crystals in this cloud reflect the sunlight. And so you can actually see it. Mm-hmm. And specifically, yeah. noctilucent clouds are too faint to be seen during daylight and are visible only when illuminated by sunlight from below the horizon while the lower layers of the atmosphere are in the Earth's shadow. Mm-hmm. So that's what causes these things. And in fact, if the rocket exploded and the cloud basically spread out and became so thin that you couldn't see it, it's still traveling in these winds, right. as NASA has proved. And then when the sun goes down below the horizon, but is still illuminating this cloud, suddenly, boom, they appear. And you go, whoa, whoa where did they come from? There you go. And I, I want to remind the audience, too, our listeners, that once again, if they don't want to accept the, the, the proposal, the proposition of a Thor rocket, whatever formed the cloud happened eight days before William Branham was ever at sunset. They, so there's no connecting the dots with William Branham and the cloud at Oh, yeah. yeah. So, as I said, there's all of these facts that are against William Branham's explanation of the cloud. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Mm-hmm. His explanation doesn't hold together when you examine the evidence. And therefore, you don't have a mist forming at his feet. You don't have a voice that tells him to look up and see a cloud, nor do you have Gene Norman and Fred Sothman seeing the same cloud. I mean, none of this happened. No, that's exactly right. And so, you know, my heart goes out. You know, it's like the other day I was um, reading a book on eternity and the prospects of a new city and a new body and being out of this uh, earthly world and this, uh, this physical form. And I thought, you know, all of this that we're talking about now is pales. It just seems so insignificant about talking about a cloud compared to uh, the, the body that I'm going to enjoy. And so when I think of all the people that have put so much stock in tying together a cloud, William Branham and the Seven Seals, and none of those can be tied together because none of it happened in the order of the events that Brother Bram said, and nor did Brother Bram ever see cloud. So now you have to ask yourself about the seven seals. You have to ask yourself about everything that uh, he said. He, he called it, that's my Lord up there. That's our Lord up there. And he tied it with uh, something uh, like a precursor or a, like a preview to the rapture itself. And none of that happened. So everything he says that spiritualizes the event of the cloud, none of it happened. William Brown never saw I mean, it's it's all every bit of it a fabrication unless people want to say, no, it was all a vision and then somehow mysteriously make it a vision. But Brother Adam said it wasn't. It was an actual happening. 
And so, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't um, tie together when you actually look at the facts. When you line up no, every single no. quote, and if people want to go on our website, uh, we have all of the quotes about the cloud. You can read them for yourself, along with yeah. questions we ask there you go. about mm-hmm. the specific quotes that uh, we have listed. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually, something twigged in my mind, Jeff. Mm-hmm. When you uh, and we should probably have a a detailed podcast on this yeah. issue, and that's the whole issue of plagiarism. Yeah, with respect to the seven seals. Right. With respect to the issue of the seven church mm-hmm. ages. You know, Rod. Uh, Rod, what you, what, what you said there is key. Uh, is uh, personal to me too, because my church. Um, I told my church I needed time to pray and to think and to ask God to help me because I am so conflicted. I'm having a crisis of faith concerning William Branham. And they said, take a sabbatical, take as long as you need. So I did. But what I did do is I took uh, Clarence Larkin's books with me. And I had done a casual study only because my dad loved Clarence Larkin. And my dad had shown me uh, over the years how what Clarence Larkin taught was exactly what William Branham taught. And, of course, Clarence Larkin was years and years and years and years, way before his Civil War era. He died in 1924. So his books probably— So he was he was a kid in the, in in the, the Civil War time. He was born in 1850. Okay. His, his books were published in the early 1900s. All right, so here you got a guy, whatever, 60, 70, maybe years before— and then um, William Brown comes along and says identically. Now, I mean, not just close to. In fact, everything that Brother Bram taught on the Seven Seals, Clarence Larkin taught, except Brother Branham had the the red horse, white horse, black horse, pale horse over spanning two thousand years, and Clarence Larkin had them all during the time of Jacob's trouble, during the time of the tribulation. Other than that. Everything William Branham said, every seal, first seal, second seal, third seal, fourth seal, all came from Clarence Larkin. Yeah. And and I, and I that it is. And I studied it out. And uh, so then people will say, well, you know, what's wrong with Brother Branham getting his inspiration from another man? Brother Branham said the light had never, ever shown on this before. This was brand new revelation. No one's ever stood it. Churches have probed at it. And all he was doing was taking his he was taking line for line sometimes from Clarence Larkin. Well, there's, there's some other things, too, that are interesting mm-hmm. that Clarence Larkin said, mm-hmm. uh, for example, in the message familiar with William Branham's comment on Satan Superman. Right. That's a direct quote. It's a direct quote from Clarence Larkin. Yeah. Not only that, Clarence Larkin says, you should not misinterpret, you should not misapply, or you should not dislocate scripture. Right. William Branham said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Even more than that, that the gates to the soul. Right. I always wondered when, when William Branham, he said, imagination, conscious, memory, reason, and affection. I go, yeah. affection? Why does he say affection? Right. That doesn't make sense to me. It should be emotion. Right. Well, actually, he got it wrong because Clarence Larkin said imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and the affections. Right. Exactly right. Right. Emotions. <laughs> right. The emotions. So he, he plagiarized that. He did. That he got from, directly from Clarence Larkin. And claimed it as his own. Yeah. And, and another thing he got from Clarence Larkin, the blood was a token. Right. Exactly right. And he quotes some things. Mm-hmm. We applied the blood of Christ to our soul. Mm-hmm. All that is necessary is that God sees it. William Branham says exactly the same things. He does. I would say then he then takes this token concept and says that the message of the hour 
becomes the bleeding word yeah. and becomes uh, creates the literal life of Jesus Christ through the opening of the seven seals. And now the literal life of Jesus can come back upon the believer. And it sounds so sweet. And none of it, absolutely none of it is true because none of it can be connected to William Branham's inspiration. It all comes from Clarence Larkin. It all comes from a cloud that never happened. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And in fact, William Branham, just before he died, said he was going to speak on the trail of the serpent. Yep. And Larkin uses the phrase, the trail of the serpent, in one of the diagrams of his book, Dispensational Truth. When I read that, I about, I about jumped out of my seat. I said, look at that. <laughs> the term that I always liked the term trail of the serpent. And I had no idea. I thought it was original to Brother Branham. And here it was again, a great mind, Clarence Larkin, way back when. And Brother Branham, you know, saw that this guy was a student and loved to teach. But, you know, people will say, well, William Branham acknowledged Clarence Larkin. Um, but not when it comes to the seven seals. Uh, he said that was directly given to him by the angels of the Lord. And none of it came from the angels of the Lord. And, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't, you know, my heart breaks. I want people so bad to see that uh, Brother Branham, um, you see, again, I was thinking the other day, okay, will I see Brother Branham in heaven? Well, I certainly hope so. And will I see the the, the followers uh, and here adherents of William Branham in heaven? I certainly hope so. Um, you know, I, I don't know that they would give you or I, I the same um, uh, the same liberty and uh, so on and so forth, which, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But, you know, with all the things that William Branham said, he's going to stand before God uh, as uh, a man who injected himself into the rapture, injected himself into the new birth, injected himself even into basic salvation. He said, yeah, he said that people are not technically saved. He said they have to give their life as martyrs, and then receive receive white robes when they get over there. And, um, And again, that's a works religion, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's exactly true. Yeah. Um, Just to finish off on the cloud, we mentioned Chad Lamb's sermon on -hmm. the subject. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it and said, well, you know, if you want to understand the cloud, you got to, Rod, you need to listen to this and it'll explain everything. And I wanted to make a couple of comments. You might as well. Mm -hmm. um, Well, maybe more than a couple of comments. I listened to his sermon on the cloud, which I admit was pretty hard. It was pretty hard for me to Mm -hmm. do because he makes spiritual claims that are based on emotion and supported by really bizarre claims based on numerology. Mm -hmm. And he says this, and and we could talk about this, it'd be probably another whole podcast, comments on blind faith. He says, you just have to watch carefully and you just have to believe. Mm. And that's something we hear all the time. Mm. You just have to believe. And he's asking me to believe something that that is despite evidence to the contrary. Exactly. And that is... I was going to say that is not um, unique to Chad. Those seeds for you have to believe all come from William Branham. Uh, Whenever something can be questioned, then if it could be questioned, then it should be questioned. And we shouldn't just discount it and just believe. Anything that's extra biblical, that it's not from the Bible, then we have to be able to take it back to the Bible. And so much of what is taught by William Branham 
and then believed upon by the people, they do not. And I was just as guilty. They do not take it back to the Bible. Uh, take take John, um, uh, where G, where John is saying, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, that the, you have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. The message people say, see, you have to walk in the light as Jesus is in that light, and and that there's that scripture has nothing, zero, nada to do with. A progressive truth. It's the light is love, and darkness is to hate your brother. And so, if people would just go on to read chapters one, two, and three, it's very clear what the light is. It's Jesus Christ. It's the love of Christ, and it's the love that I have towards my fellow man. And if I say I'm in the light and hate my brother, I'm in darkness. It had nothing to do with progressive revelation whatsoever. And so it's completely yeah. taken out of context. If you ever looked at the scripture in Revelations uh, 19, where it says that, uh, where the angel says to John, worship me not, for I am of thy fellow servants and of thy brethren the prophets. It doesn't say in any translation at all, he is a prophet. It says, I'm just like you. I'm just like the brethren. I'm just like the prophets. It's, he's not saying, I am a prophet. So we jump to the conclusion that the, the angel that, that revealed these truths to John was a prophet and or perhaps even symbolic of uh, John being a symbol of the bride, that that angel was William Branham. But in reality, in Revelations 19, it's not even referring to him as a prophet. Read every translation. He's saying, I'm just like you. I'm just a brother. I'm just like one of the prophets. He's not saying yeah. he is a prophet. So again, we took things out of context. We didn't thoroughly study it. We took it because Brother Branham said these things. And so I'm finding so much of that, Rod, that the major doctrines that we um, didn't really take back to the Word. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. At 1 John 1, 7, going back to that. Yeah. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm -hmm. William Branham talked about the light of the hour. Right, right. The light of the age. And and specifically said, then if we are walking in the God-given light of the hour, mm -hmm. he's adding to Scripture. He is, totally. And he's inject. what's worse than that, he's injecting himself into that, basically saying, I am this message. People say, well, Brother Jeff, you say that Brother Brown said he's the light. Well, Brother Brown himself said you cannot separate the messenger from the message. Yeah. So he yeah, is saying exactly he is right. the light. He is saying that. Yeah. And people just don't want to swallow that. But that's exactly, that's where the DD people are actually more honest and correct about uh, Brother Branham's um, Brother Branham's conclusions than non-deity people, because at least they say, yeah, William Branham was closest thing to deity. And uh, whereas the non-deity people will say, oh, no, he wasn't that. But they might as well call him deity because they make him salvation. They make him the rapture. You know, uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. but they don't want to say that. They don't connect the dots, but that's what they're doing. The other thing, too, with respect to evidence, mm -hmm. you know, people say, you know, when confronted with his evidence with respect to call it the cloud, you just, we just have to only believe. But that, that whole approach is non biblical. In Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, Luke says this 
I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Yeah. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, mm. so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke wanted his friend, Theophilus, to be certain of the facts. Beautiful, beautiful. And we can even look at how Jesus dealt with intellectual doubt. Yep. All we have to do is go read the story about John the Baptist from Luke 7. Mm-hmm. You know, John was in jail. And I actually disagree with William Branham. He said, you know, his eagle eye clouded over. Right. And that's another issue entirely. Eagles and prophets, they, 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 they're they not typed together. No, they're um, not. We've got an article out on our website. But... He wasn't, he didn't send these guys because he was depressed. Yeah. I actually think if you read the context, the disciples, John's disciples brought him back reports. Yeah. What Jesus was doing. And John was out preaching judgment, but here Jesus comes preaching grace. Yeah. And I think, you know, John says, go and ask Jesus if he's the guy. Right. Because I think in his mind, he had intellectual doubt. I, God gave me this message of judgment, and I don't get that he's not preaching judgment. Right. He's preaching grace. Exactly. And Jesus didn't trash John the no. Baptist the way most message ministers or message followers would right. do when you doubt. He didn't tell him only believe. Mm-mm. He said, come with me. He pointed to the evidence and then had those two disciples of John. It's interesting. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, yep. that's what you do when you want evidence. Right. He t- those two disciples of John took the evidence back to John in prison. Yes. But the way Chad deals with the facts, he said this. This is a direct quote. But if your heart says it wasn't a Thor rocket, then you can say, I don't understand. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Yeah. What's that supposed to mean? No, nothing. If you don't like the facts, exactly. ignore them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that kind of reminds me of, of uh, you know, the White House and its alternative facts. Another thing, too, is, is it's actually saying something akin to this. Um, if you don't understand it, trust me. Yes. And we're not called uh, – I'm not, I'm not asking the people to trust me concerning Scripture. Uh, that's, that's the Holy Spirit and pers- – that's personal to them and the Holy Spirit. And so for a, a pastor – or even William Brown to say, well, just they're not saying trust me. They're saying, you know, you know, you know, I wouldn't lead you astray. Well, you know, in that regard, even if he were correct with regard to no desire to lead astray, I can't still follow a man no matter how sincere he is. And um, that's another thing I've learned not to become a skeptic, but to do what in Acts it says. Now, the Bereans were of men of noble character, and these in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined this message in accordance with the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think the Bereans yeah. are a model. They, in they fact, are. In fact, Acts says they were more noble than the other Jews more because noble. they actually took it and went back to the scriptures. Yeah. So here's the Holy Spirit praising somebody who will examine and scrutinize the words of Paul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's very a very appropriate comment. Okay, I'm going to bring this to a close, Jeff, and then we'll uh, continue the conversation next week. Uh, Thanks very much. This has been very enlightening, and I hope it's been of some use to our listeners. And we will talk again, and uh, people can tune in again in a week's time. Thanks very much, Jeff. Thank you. Looking forward to it, Rod. 
If you would like to send us an email, there's a link on the offtheshelf.life website where you can email me directly at rod at offtheshelf.life or you can reach Brian at Brian with a Y at offtheshelf.life. The Off The Shelf website also contains a comment section after each podcast. Just click on the title of the podcast and it will take you to the page for that specific podcast. The comment section is at the bottom of the page. Have a great week, everyone. of cloudless days Oh, the land of an uncloudy sky Oh, they tell me of a land where no storm cloud rise Oh, they tell